What about the Apocrypha? The answer to that and other questions on Key Life. This is Key Life, dedicated to the message that the only people who get any better are those who know that if they don't get any better, God will still love them anyway. That teaching raises a lot of questions, so here's author and seminary professor Steve Brown, along with Pete Allenson from Forge Truth, with answers from the Bible that will make you free. Hey, Pete. Hey, man. Happy Friday. You know, I, I've forgotten everything I knew about the Apocrypha, so you're going to have to answer that question yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to check after we finish this broadcast to make sure you did it right. Or I won't be back. <laughs> no, never happens. We know too much dirt on each other. We're both going to be here. There you go. We're not going to hurt each other, are we? <laughs> That's Pete Allenson. Check out uh, forgetruth.com. Great and deep website and a great podcast that you might want to check out there, too. Pete comes in and we answer questions. And we've been doing that for a lot of years on Friday's broadcast. And we really do love your questions. You can pick up the phone anytime. Dial 1-800-KEY-LIFE, record your question, and we often put that on the air. Or you can write to Key Life Network, Post Office Box 5000, Maitland, Florida, 32794. Or in Canada, Key Life Canada, Post Office Box 28060, Waterloo, Ontario, N2L6J8. Or you can email your question to steve at keylife.org. And if you can, help us financially. I promise we'll use it to help others who can't. And if you can't or don't feel called to help financially, we understand that. When you think of it, say a prayer for this ministry that we remain faithful that we continue to use the gifts that are given to us for God's glory. Talking about prayer, Pete, lead us in prayer, and we'll get to these questions. You got it. Our Father, we do come to you right now at the end of this week, and uh, on this Friday we come, we honor you, we praise you, we stop for a minute, and we uh, we shake our heads. Some of us are a little tired. Some of us are uh, perplexed at decisions we have to make or even about those things that happened to us this week. And so we come before you, and we thank you that we can trust that you are good and holy and righteous and just and trustworthy, powerful, and that you love us and that you have a plan for us. And so, Lord, with all of the the challenges that we face, we come before you, and we we tell you there's times we don't have a direction. We We need your Spirit to communicate to us about decisions we ought to make, or steps we ought to take. We come to you. We need you. And we look forward to meeting you in worship, even this weekend as we go to be with your people. And we ask, Father, that in a powerful way you would take our worship leaders and pastors, teachers, priests, and those that, those that disciple us and develop us and preach to us, uh, that you would use them supernaturally to communicate your grace, and love, and power, and truth to us. Change us, set us free, uh, that we might honor and glorify you. And now we give you this time of Q&A and pray that you would be glorified in it and through it. For we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Pete, let's go to our phone lines. What does God think of the Apocrypha? 
Good question. You know, really, I was kidding about not remembering a lot about it. I grew up in a home where we bought a family Bible where you wrote in your grandparents and your great-grandparents' name, but there was always the Apocrypha Hmm. that was a part of that. And so I grew up reading some of it, but it was not a part of the canon. Yeah, Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, a great point. A lot of people had it in their Bibles, yeah. but they don't know what to do with it. So the early church, uh, at the time of the Reformation, let's put it that way, back in the 1500s, um, those apocalyptic books, there's 14 of them, uh, 14 apocrypha, mm-hmm. which means hidden, and they were in that uh, intertestamental time period between yeah. the Old and New Testament, right? So. And uh, and and the early the Catholic the Jews didn't put them in as canonical, and the early church saw them as pious books and somewhat helpful, yeah. but not canonical, not authoritatively written by a prophet or an apostle in the new. So that's why at the Reformation they fought over it, and the Protestants took took it out, and the Catholics left it in. <laughs> and they are good books if you can find a Bible with them or want to Google it. You'll find good wisdom. You'll find some silly stuff there, too. But you'll see a difference between the Apocrypha and the canon of Scripture. And there is a significant difference in terms of depth depth and profundity and wisdom and balance that we get in Scripture that isn't always possible or present in the Apocrypha. Yeah, that's well put. Again, pious literature— written by people of God, generally speaking, and um, but but not on the level of Scripture. And you can tell the difference when you read it. Oh, yeah, you really so, can. That's, that's great. Okay, this is an email. It is my understanding that because God allows only sinless people into heaven, that's why Jesus died on a cross, so God the Father can count us sinless. How then did Satan, in the book of Job, enter heaven? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I've never heard that before. It is a good question. It is good. And, you know, and I would say, well, number one, God only allows in his presence who he permits. And so he was he was called there. I think Satan didn't just come show up. I think he was called there, yeah. called to account. And he came. And uh, but we notice that he was he didn't enter heaven savingly. <laughs> that's know? right. He wasn't one of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So he came. At, uh, and and that goes back to that whole point that we believe, of course, that the Bible is not dualistic, not two equal yeah. powers. God is is the supreme King of heaven and earth. Satan is called; he comes, and uh, and and he accuses. He goes to his his nature and accuses Job, and God shows that interaction. That's true. Good stuff. I'd like to know. This is an email. When I can blame Satan. <laughs> And when I could blame my sinful nature for my sinning, I understand that although God in his sovereign plans all things, I am still morally responsible. So does it mean that every time I sin, it's because of my fallen nature or did the devil make me do it? I love that question. <laughs> I do too. So how do you, how do you go about answering that? And it's kind of a mix. I, you know, I, I really do. And I don't think you ever get that together so that you're sure this came from the devil. And who was the comedian that used to talk a lot about the devil oh, made yeah. me do it? Flip Wilson. Flip man. Wilson. Yeah, the devil right. made me do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
And, and I think if you find yourself using that as an excuse, that's a sin in itself. Mm-hmm. We really are responsible for our actions. And by the way, you that's okay. Yeah. That's you get the you get a path of getting hugged. That's what repentance is. So it's not a bad thing. I've said and said this week on the recordings at Key Life that the best gift you have is your sin when you know it, and the worst fear you ought to have is your faithfulness when you know that, mm. because God uses every bit of it. Mm. But uh, I don't know if you can ever say, you know, the devil made me do it, or unless you're at a seance and the devil shows or something, I guess you could say that is. But when I do bad things, it's part me, it's part the flesh, it's part the devil. Yeah, and those are our three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the that's devil, right. you know. And and that's why we, we, the, the scriptures call us to allow him to to renew our minds so that we think biblically, we think uh, in, 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 in terms of what God wants us to do and be, we think in terms of the gospel. So we need to have our minds regenerated because That's our true. minds affect our behavior typically. So, Good stuff. Yeah. What does it mean that our bodies are temples of God? Uh, yeah. It, amazing it, that, that the Bible would even say that. But it shows that the earthly temple, which was the meeting place between heaven and earth, has been replaced. Yeah. The temple in Jerusalem has been replaced by the temples of our body and the church. That's good. And that you mention it plurally uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, when Paul is talking about being the temple of the Holy Spirit, that's plural. Yeah. He doesn't, right. it's, not talk, it's not the kind of thing that you shouldn't eat stuff that's bad for you. Because your body's the temple of the spirit, that verse doesn't work there. He's saying y'all right, right. are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. And in fact, the church, the real church, is the resident place of the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's why one of the guys who's assistant pastor at our church, he says, when, by way of welcome, the church has come into the building. <laughs> I, yeah. like I like that's it. That's a good way of putting yeah, it. I yeah. like that. Did Jesus fulfill Old Testament prophecies? Yes, he did. How many are there? 600? Oh, uh, man, there are many of them, and some of them very specific. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I were an unbeliever, I would become a believer because of prophecies. Mm. You know, you read that chapter uh, in Isaiah about the suffering servant, and if you don't, if you're talking to somebody who is not a believer and isn't familiar with that passage, ask them, who it's talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. And if they have any idea of the new Testament and have read any of the new Testament and then Isaiah 53 is just, it's obviously got to be Jesus. Oh, you know, it's powerful. Yeah, it really is powerful. So God, and by the way, when we're talking about prophecy, that's one of the ways, but it is, people say you got to put your mind on the back burner if you become a Christian, oh. you know, it's all your feelings and nobody argues with it. No, it's not. No. Uh, the, the scriptures and the Christian faith is an extremely rational and cogent and systematic worldview that works. In fact, it's the only one that does. That's right. That is right. And that's why we have it in, in, in a book form because we can study it over and over and have our views continually reformed and conformed to it 
and uh, and and that that changes our that changes our minds. And as our culture moves away from that, yeah. mm-hmm. you you know everybody's concerned with what's going on yeah. in our country and in Canada. That's right. And they'll give you a bunch of reasons for it, but let me tell you, the real reason is we left our roots. We left the God that we worship. We left the verities that were revealed to us about how a nation and a people should live. And when we do that, it all goes to pot. Pastors, preach the word. That's right. Stay with it. Oh, we don't have time for another question. Uh, And we don't have time to sing. No, no, we don't have an audience that could bear it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, Key Life is a listener-supported production of Key Life Network.